I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at KindFarmsInc, all one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is RYAN10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on An Actor Despairs, we have amazing actress Alex Wilton Regan. She's got an incredible new film out called Nightmare Wakes. We've also seen her in The Wife. She's an awesome actress. She works all the time, and she's got such an incredible future, and she really helps us understand what it means to do performance capture and voiceover. I'm so grateful. Here it is. Alex Wilton Regan, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. I love your surname. Um, thank you. <laughs> Both of them. Both yeah, of them. exactly. It's great. <laughs> Is it, is it hyphenated? I dehyphenated myself because I'm that person. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to be difficult. <laughs> so Take, taking the power myself. back. I love that. I know, right? Why? Well, confusing everyone in the process. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw uh, A Nightmare Wakes. You were awesome in that. We were just talking off air. Julie Giello is one of my best friends. It actually is a huge reason this podcast exists. It was actually his idea oh, to help me start it? it. Yeah, it, well, it was my idea, but he That's helped so me. Cool. Yeah, so love you, Julian. Um, but oh. we're here to talk about you and all your work. You know, I've seen the wife, and you literally work so many video games. It's insane. <laughs> I do. It also keeps me away from waiting tables, you know, so take yeah. it. I'm, j- I'm trying <laughs> to get voiceover rep now. You would think with this podcast it would be easy, but... Uh, yeah, I know. That's it's, been, it's been hard. Yeah, but do you know why? Because everyone wants to do it now. That's no one what, wanted to do it when I started 10 years ago. That was that, part of the thing. That's what my friend told me. He's like, now yeah. that with an iPhone, you know, it used to be you had to have like one of these microphones I'm using now or, you know, but now yeah. everyone with an iPhone can just do it. So it's so saturated. Yeah, it is a saturated market. I mean, look, I feel so lucky to be working in video games because they have such like breadth. And they take so much time yeah. that I, I love it because it keeps you busy. You know, you can easily work on a video game longer than you would a film. Like wow. easily, easily. I you know? did not know that. Yeah. 
easily. I mean, obviously it depends on the size of the game. It depends on the size of your role. But if we shot a Nightmare Wakes for a month, I would say that on a good video game, I would hope to be doing a sort of four months of solid recording initially and then pickups for the rest of the year. And, and so. I know with those recordings, you know, usually they're indoors in a nice studio. Has it changed with the yes. pandemic? Yes. <laughs> I, have tiny, I have a tiny cubby hole upstairs that my boyfriend shoved a microphone into and was like, go, keep earning, keep paying the mortgage, sweetheart. And then he shoves me in the, in the cubby hole and he shuts the door. Um, no, Love so, it. Harry Potter style. <laughs> Harry Potter style, exactly. Um, so I now, I now work in a padded cell, um, even smaller than the padded cells we were in before. But when you go into a studio, it is still very lovely because, you know, it's big and it's expansive and you have space to perform and that's a really nice feeling. Yeah. At the moment, I'm quite, I'm quite constricted and kind of doing a lot of this acting. I think we all feel like that, but let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in London. I am a born and bred Londoner of which I think we are few and far between, but I'm an actual genuine Londoner. Yeah. How, How was that experience? Well, I never really knew anything different. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, I love the uh, the multiculturalism and the diversity of London. And I love what an immersive city it is. And the culture and the music and the dance and the clubbing is, is off the hook, you know. Yeah. And it's a real melting pot of cultures. I know New York is like that as well. Yeah. And I know lots of big cities are like that, but I think London is actually one of the most integrated cities in the world. I would yeah, say. Yeah. I actually fully agree with that, but yeah. talk to me. What, what are your parents artists? What do they do? No, not at all. One of them works in the health service. Um, oh, nice. Given, uh, 30 years of her life to the health service. And the other one now owns a cinema, but was in business before then. So no artists in the family. I'm the first and they were horrified, basically. So talk to me, how did the whole art bug happen for you? I never wanted to do anything else. It really was like a sort of, uh, it's just, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do from the age of four, you know? Do you um, remember the impetus? Like, was there something you watched? Something, it, I, I, it's the same for me. Yeah. I think it was Back to the Future that really kind of got me. Was there yeah. an equivalent no. for I was probably just a kind of another middle class neglected child whose parents worked too hard and wanted their attention. Yeah. It's probably as <laughs> boring. Are you the that. are you the only child? I'm not the only child. I'm okay. the oldest child. I have a brother who's an amazing carpenter, woodworker, like oh, construction. Also an maker. artist. Also an artist, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm the drama queen and he's like Jesus as a carpenter. Um, so, so, um, no, I have, I genuinely have no idea where the art bug came from, like at all. No one really does. And I was also quite good at school. So I think they hoped that I would change and become a lawyer or something sensible, like a doctor or, and I didn't do any of that. So in these early formative years, at what point did you talk to your parents about it and maybe start immersing in like, you know, youth theater? Oh, I did all of that. I mean, I did a one woman rendition of Sleeping Beauty where I played every part and I made everyone watch it. I I distinctly remember doing that about uh, four years old in our living room. And then I bugged my parents to let me go to drama school, which they absolutely didn't. So at first I was allowed to do ballet and all the dancing stuff. And then I was allowed to go to somewhere called Stagecoach, which was like Saturday school, which had 
singing, dancing and drama. And then when I was a teenager, I went to a place called Sylvia Young, which is a very well-known London-based drama school for kids. And I think it's produced people like Billy Piper and loads of other famous, yeah, and like loads of other famous actresses and actors. So I was allowed to do that on a Saturday, but I was not allowed to leave school until I was 18, basically, until I'd done my everything. Oh, amazing. So talk to me about those youth theater experiences. Was that a fun experience for you? It was. Yeah, it was great. I mean, look, singing was never my strongest point, but acting always was, you know, and I kind of, I really, I had this amazing drama teacher called Tara when I was about 13, 14, 15 at Sylvia Young. And she really took me under her wing and saw how serious I was about it and encouraged me to go further in my work. And she was a, she was an incredible influence on me, you know? Um, But I look back at my report cards from those Saturday schools and they really make me laugh because they say things like, when Alex gets bored, she stops trying. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of true. Though. Yeah, <laughs> like, same here. So, yeah. so in, in singing, if I would get a bit bored because I didn't feel it was going well, I'd just get a bit distracted and stop trying. Whereas all of my acting report cards are like nine out of tens and tens out of ten. It's just very sweet. And it just shows that I haven't changed much since I was eight years old, basically. That's so wonderful. And <laughs> with, the, with this like youth theater, were you guys doing full-fledged productions? We were, yeah, I mean, we do, you know, termly productions. And then I actually, when I was 17, 18, I went to uh, a drama, like another Saturday drama school called Youngblood, which has produced some incredible actors like um, Ophelia Loverbond, Oliver Jackson Cohen, um, Augustus Prue. So, like uh, Imogen Poots, like actors who oh, are really. love Imogen, the best. Working, yeah. you know. Um, so we did that and we do productions as well, but it was, it, it was all just about cramming in as much drama as I was allowed to alongside yeah. my formal, you know, school schooling, I guess. That's so beautiful. And, and being so interested, so young, were you reading a lot of plays and, and. I, do you know what? I wasn't reading a lot of plays, but I was very into, I was very into the plays and the projects that I was given. So I would very much dive into that. So if we were doing uh, the Greek tragedies, I was all about, you know, who was Cassandra and who was Iphigenia and who was Helen of Troy and all the, I'd get very, very into the stories that I was in, which is, again, I guess quite an actory thing to do that you really respond to the text that you're given and you throw everything into that and then you turn your focus onto the next thing, you know? Yeah, so when totally. we did a Midsummer Night's Dream, I was completely in a Midsummer Night's Dream, but I didn't necessarily run off and read as you like it afterwards. And and but doing Midsummer, you know, like that's something that I've reoccurring talked with a lot of British actors on this podcast is like that's why I think you guys are so superior. Is your exposed? <laughs> no, we're not superior. You're. <laughs> They're lying to you, Ryan. They're no, lying no, no. This you. is my own thoughts, <laughs> not theirs. But I, you know, I think you know, something that is a big fault in, in American schools, you know, maybe the lucky kids who go to private school, not as much, but I went to public school and you don't spend a lot of time reading Shakespeare or being exposed yeah. to that classic Elizabethan text and do, or yeah. even in, in drama school and high school or, you know, yeah, the 14 to 18 years, you don't do Shakespearean production. So, 
you know, when it comes to college and you tackle iambic for the first time, yeah. you're running with your head cut off where, you know, there, you know, people do it young and, and there's no small choice in Shakespeare. And that's why yeah. I think it really makes for better yeah, actors. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing that we do have an advantage over is every year from 11 to 18. So the whole of secondary school, if you're doing English, you will do one or two different Shakespearean texts. Yeah, That's kind of that. amazing. So by the time, and that's not even in your drama class, right? Yeah. That's just like you start Essential off at 11 curriculum. with Romeo and Juliet. And yeah. then you'll do something like Midsummer Night's Dream. And then you'll do Measure for Measure. And then you'll be doing Macbeth. And then it'll get a bit harder and a bit harder and a bit harder. You know, wow. so that I would say you know by the time you've done you've gotten to 18 you know at least 12 shakespearean plays pretty pretty well in depth i would say which is That's a bit of a gift yeah critical and and yeah. because you lived in london were you seeing stuff in the west end much yes i mean very very lucky like we've got the west end we've got the national theater yeah we've got the fringe we've got all of it we ha we have well we had a really good vibrant you know, um, we had a, an incredibly vibrant theatrical scene in London. I don't know what it's going to look like after the pandemic, yeah. is, is the honest truth. But I am very proud of the theatrical institutions that we have here. Yeah. And was that a big, like, you know, insightful experience for you getting to go to the West yeah. End? You know, is that something you did with your drama school or is that something you did with your regular Definitely. school? Definitely. So the regular school would have done theatre outings with us because I was always a drama student and I was an English student. So they would, for both of those things, they would have taken us to theatre. And then my grandma used to take me to theatre. I was the first born grandchild of seven. So I got loads of preferential treatment. Wow. I got taken to, you know, by the time grandchild number seven came, on, came along, like I had bled them dry with the amount of theatre trips. So yeah, it's amazing. Seven, sorry, she didn't get much, but I got a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all that matters. Yeah, it's all that matters. But so my grandma was amazing at taking us to the panto, which, do you know what I mean by the panto? Uh, it's, it's so not an American thing. It's this really weird thing that Brits do every Christmas where we have a man dress up as a dame and a woman dress up as a prince and there's like a fairy godmother and an evil witch and it's complete chaos and it's full of sexual innu innuendo that the children are not allowed to understand, but the adults get and they're giggling at in the audience and it's all that. He's behind you. He's behind you. It's all that kind of stuff, basically. Uh, wow. It, it's a very British thing. It's like the epitome of British theatre, I would say. I'm coming for Christmas now. To you have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It's bizarre. It, you're going to sit there going, what i don't why are they doing that and we're like we don't know why they're doing it they just do it every year every yeah. christmas and you just go with it so yeah that's amazing and then <laughs> and, and before you know you turned 18 obviously you were so into it were you allowed to get an agent or were your parents like no yes. at that you point they, my parents had no choice amazing um, so, so i was when i was uh 16 17 18 i was very lucky that i got this place at a school called Latimer that had a drama department like a proper drama department where yeah. we did like serious plays every three months and an agent came along to one of our school shows and he saw me in it and he 
approached me at the end of the show whilst I was talking to my parents and my parents were like, who are you? Strange man talking to our daughter. And he said, no, no, I'm an agent, you know, and gave me his card and he was wonderful. And uh, he was my first agent actually. And then I started kind of doing, you know, little bit TV, TV roles here and there and the little bits that you pick up along the way, that kind of stuff. Um, and I went to drama school and I was already signed when I went to drama school. And which drama school did you go to? I went to the Drama Studio London, which was a postgraduate course. Got it. Um, and I should have technically have been to university before, but because I had so many TV credits at this yeah. point, they let me onto the course, which was really cool. Amazing. And converted that into like coursework, basically. Yeah. Um, and and I, just, I'm, I was lucky and I worked, you know, and then... When I wasn't working, I was even luckier because I got into voiceovers and I got into video games. And it's was kind there of, a mentor that very lucky? That, was it this agent that guided you into that, or how did that happen? No, not at all. Um, it really was a case of I was doing two waitressing jobs. You know, I was in a restaurant by day and I was in a pub at night, and I was really struggling to make ends meet. And it was just driving me mad because as any Such actor will tell life. you, yeah. well, that's the thing. And as any actor will tell you when they have to make the money to pay for their rent and their life, that's obviously taking time and energy away from creativity, away from auditions, 40 away to from, 50 hours a week away from it, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think I got, I got desperate is the truth. And I, so I, I'd heard of voiceovers and I did a little bit of training in radio at drama school. And I was like, right, I've got to go for it. So I paid to get a voice reel done. I sent it out. You know, I will caveat this, that I sent it out three times over 18 months, you know, so every six months, round one, round two, round three. And at the end of round three, one agent got back to me and said, we'll give you a chance. One. But then I was very lucky because I got kind of flew. I left them last uh, year, unfortunately. Crumbs, crumbs. <laughs> but we had a really good, <laughs> you know what? We had a really good 10 year run. And yeah. I will forever be grateful for that, you know, uh, for the opportunities that they brought to me. So, yeah. That's amazing. And so during those 18 months, you were still waitressing and, and working yeah. at the pub? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Talk, was there a, was it, you know, a one credit on a show or was it this voiceover thing that literally, like allowed you to stop having to do those jobs. It was, it was the voiceovers. It was 100% the voiceovers because the voiceovers just flew. And I was so lucky, you know, and I'm very aware that, that my journey in the video game world has been that kind of Cinderella story. And I don't take it for granted Yeah. Um, because a lot of people have more of an experience that resembles my journey in the acting world where you do a smaller thing and then you do a medium thing and then you do a bigger thing. And, you know, but I was just very, very lucky. I had one of those voices that people really liked, you know? Um, and I think I was very unafraid as well. I'm very unafraid in the booth to just go for it. Yeah. You got to take chances. That's how you get somewhere. Yeah, Exactly. That's amazing. And, and as you started to, you know, dwindle away from that work, how were auditions going? Were you still booking, you know, we call it co-star guest star. Were you booking things here and there? Yeah. 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 We would call it the same as well. I was booking little bits of stuff here and there. Um, you know, I think one of the kind of earliest setbacks I had was that when I was 18, 
I got booked as a lead in this really big, well, we thought it was going to be big TV show called yeah. Bombshell for ITV, which is one of our main channels over here. And I shot an entire series and then the series was never released. The whole series. They shelved the Not whole even the pilot? Series. Not even the pilot. They shot a whole series and the whole thing was shelved. Why? And that was when I was 18, turning 19. Oh my God. Politics, conflicting scheduling. They had rival programs that were on the air. And then there was another program that was on the air on BBC One that was a direct conflict to ours. It went on and on and on. You got paid though, obviously, right? I got paid, but I also learned the real, I I learned the hard way that this is not a a nice industry. Nothing's fair. Even if you film something, it doesn't Even if you film the bloody series, it's not necessarily going to be released. Yeah. Which is mind blowing, you know? And so you couldn't even probably use that for your show reel, right? So it was, I mean, I did eventually get a copy of it on DVD like two years later or something. But that was a real wake-up call, you know? Wow. But and it's then, a hard road, being an actor. And and because you had so much training, you know, were you spending a lot of time auditioning for theater as well? Yeah, I mean, here, uh, I've never managed to crack the theatrical industry in quite the way I would like to. And I think it's sort of the same in the States, that here, you get quite streamlined, I would call yeah, it. So you totally. tend to either be... For some reason, casting directors look at you and they go, she's a TV actress. Or they yeah. go, she's a film actress. Or film and TV tend to go together. And then they go, she's a stage, a- stage actress. Yeah. I do not know why that happens. It's just one of those things that happen. So theatre, unfortunately, I've never really had a chance to kind of actually go for it hell for leather. It's just not something that I've done a lot of. But it is um, my favourite medium, ironically. Um- I'm, I'm curious because here in America, the real trick to breaking into theater as an actor, in fact, I would argue, unless you get really lucky, the only way is to get an MFA from like a Juilliard, a Yale, an NYU, yeah. you know, is it the same with the aristocratic British drama schools there? Those yeah. The yeah. If you go to RAD or, or Lambda, of course, you're going to be seen by the best casting directors. You're going to be seen by the best agents. Of course, that's going to move you forward. But even there, you know, you could be a third year RADA graduate and you get cast in a big TV series. Yeah. And then suddenly the casting directors go, oh, no, but he's a TV actor. He doesn't yeah. do theatre. He's just a TV actor. And actually, for me personally, I suspect that one of the reasons that I've probably done so well in the video game world is because it is quite theatrical in nature. Yeah. Same with performance capture. And I think that I, I'm just... Do you I do motion capture stage. as well? I do loads of motion capture, yeah. Wow. And performance capture, all of it. So I just, I think that um, I'm looking forward to doing a huge television series and then all the theatrical casting directors want me to be in their play. That's so we're going to get that's... you Peaky Blinders. Did you start exactly. filming? Yeah. Exactly. That's my gate. That's my not so secret anymore game plan. I love become a, a huge film or TV star, and then I'll be allowed onto the stage. Well, <laughs> if you don't mind, before we dig into the wife or yeah, Nightmare yeah. Wakes, I think this yeah. is an incredible thing I'd love to touch on because I've not touched on it in any episode in the podcast. Yeah, Can you really it. let's break down the voiceover acting thing because I yeah. I think a lot of actors out there want to get into it. They don't understand how to get into it. You just gave a beautiful story about how hard it was for you. You know, yeah. talk talk about, you know, 
the idea of creating a voice for something that may or may not exist in like a physical video or photo form yet. So yeah. how do you how do you make decisions for, you know, if it's a commercial, obviously it's a little more obvious, but you know, yeah. for a video game, some of these things are really high concept and sci- you know, speaking of marriage science fiction, like you got no idea like yeah, how, yeah, how do yeah. you succeed in that? So I guess some of the things that I would do um is if I was listening to this now and I was thinking I really want to get into that. I would go and I would find like top 20 video game actors, just do a Google search. Yeah. And then I'd follow all of them on Twitter and Instagram. And then I'd start picking up the tips that they start sharing and the podcasts that they start sharing. Cause there is now a lot of information out there. Yeah. And I think that this, the thing that people forget is being a voiceover went out of fashion, like 20 years ago, yeah. you're a voice actor. Yeah. So you have to be an actor. And I think a lot of people get confused that some people, uh, they hear these characters and they go, I want to do that. And it's like, okay, but are you an actor? Because yeah. if you're doing a game that lasts, let's say, 40 to 60 hours main quest, yeah. right? You've got to be able to sustain a character for like 60 to 40 hours. Totally. Not of recording, not of recording, but a final product. Yeah. Do you see the difference? That's when yeah. they've done all the editing. Yeah. So you have to ha- you have to be able to create a character the way that you would for a film or TV job. You have to be able to um, sustain your voice. You know, have good vocal health. You have to. Do you work with uh, a coach. Be brave. I don't work with a coach actually, but wow. I would not be afraid to get a coach. Um, I've had I've had singing coaches for when I've had to sing. And I would not be afraid to get a coach if I needed one, for example, for a specific accent. Yeah. But generally speaking, the production would give you that. Um, and just be really brave. Like, go back to the core of your acting where you're being creative and bold and brave and a- approach it like that. You know, do not hold back because you only have the microphone picking up your sound. You don't have a costume designer making you look like the character. You don't have hair and makeup making you look like the character. You don't have a set, you know, putting you into the space. It's just your voice. You've got to be extra brave is how I would say and just throw it out there. I know you get like a a little breakdown or synopsis of the character slash the game if you're lucky, but I'd love for you to talk about making choices. Is that something when you do this, like do you give it, you know, one or two or three different ways, or do you just stick with one way? I would probably, well, see the way I look at it, it's slightly the same with uh, taped auditions now. So self tapes. Yeah. There are so many actors competing for the same role. I slightly think that one take that you really wholeheartedly believe in is kind of strong enough yeah. because it will stand out from the next person. Whereas if you put a second, second take, if they're really different, of course, but when you're looking at like third or fourth takes, I think it sometimes doesn't look like, you know what you're doing. No, totally. Right? I agree. So I think you have yeah. to make a choice and go with it and assume that the casting director has asked you in because they trust that you are a good actor and they want to see your interpretation of that. And then they can always pick up the phone to your agent and say, hey, actually, do you know what? We love Ryan's tone and we loved um, we loved his cadence, yeah. but we just felt his delivery was too high. Can he bring it down a bit? You can re-record it. It's not the of end course. of the world. Do you totally. see what I mean? Because 
there's so many different ways to pull out a voice is how I would describe it. Yeah. So um, I feel like make bold choices, make big choices and be unapologetic for them. And if you want to pull them back, do pull them back. I get to know your microphone as yeah. well. Whatever you're working with, you know, moving in, moving away. How does it sound? Have a play and think about all that stuff. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And motion capture is... Is that something that was like right away or did you build up to that? That was, um, that was a kind of natural extension of working in video games as game developers have wanted to make their games more realistic or more cinematic. So that was a sort of natural, it just kind of happens as yeah. the technology has advanced anyway. Um, but again, I've been very lucky, you know, I, I, I've been very lucky to get into motion capture and performance capture to by the way sorry just to clear something up so people do call it motion capture but if anyone says performance capture performance capture is more what i do which is very specifically like a facial recording a vocal recording and the body so it's like the whole character 360 where sometimes you can be hired for a motion capture job and what that means is they're just filming your body like Lifting up the arm, putting down the arm, opening like the door, close the door. Physical movements, exactly. Got and it. that's a really specialized area of work as well. There are people who do motion capture day in day out, and they're amazing at it because they understand the way the technology works. You know, yeah. whereas I'm more the actor that you bring in and think of it as like filming a play is yeah. how I would describe it. Thank you for explaining that. That's so beautiful. No, I really appreciate that. And then as you started, you know, getting all these roles that talked to me about the wife, like what was that experience? like? Yeah. The wife, the wife was obviously very cool because it was with Glenn Close. Um, and, uh, the wife was, was an amazing experience. I mean, I'd worked with Jonathan Price, um, on stage in London. One of the few times that I was on stage in King Lear. And oh, so you, you, you did do a do a big one. You made it sound like you never. I did. No, no, I did. I did. I did do a big one, which is yeah, great. But yeah. I only had like I had like very small supporting roles dotted throughout the play. I was Got his it. nurse. I was Gloucester's tenant. I was ensemble. You know, it was, yeah, I was yeah. like ensemble. I was like your friendly nurse and your yeah. friendly prostitute. You know, all at once type. Of all thing. friendly. Uh, <laughs> all friendly. Always friendly. Um, but so I had worked with Jonathan for, I guess for five months five months probably five or six months on king yeah. lear um which was great so i knew jonathan um and i obviously met glenn and it was a real honor and i loved the script if people haven't seen it it's the story of a marriage superficially yeah. simplistically put it's the story of a marriage um and of a writer and a non-writer except it's nothing to do with that so you have yeah. to look beneath the surface is how i would describe it and glenn was obviously nominated for an oscar for best actress for her performance and rightly so and i just felt very honored to be there and kind of learning from all these wonderful great people yeah. you know um, and the director, Bjorn, was extraordinary because he really knew what he wanted and he had an extraordinary background in the theatre. So everything he did was very actor-focused. Yeah. So I remember him coming up to us and being like, can we go for one more? Do you think you could do one? Is this okay for you? And I was like, I'm just here to serve you, pal. You want one more? I'll give you one more. I'll give you ten more. 
yeah. whatever you want. He goes, he goes, no, but you have to feel good in yourself. You know that this is a Swedish accent, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, he can't tell. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, so, you know, and so he'd say things like, do you feel like you can give one more? Or do you feel like you can pull something else out? He just had this beautiful way of directing, yeah. you know, and even there's a very crucial scene in the film that I am not in physically, but it involves, I call my parents. So I play Glenn Close and Jonathan Price's daughter. Yeah. They're having a massive argument that's very, very central to the plot and the kind of changes in the film. And my character, their daughter, interrupts them with a phone call to say that I've just given birth to their first grandchild. Now, another director would have just had an assistant, you know, reader and like, hi, mom, hi, dad. Yeah, I'm just calling to say I've had the baby that's kind of pretty standard is you just have an assistant reading the lines. I was flown back up to Scotland. I was staying in the same hotel with them and I spent the day on set with them, you know, just tucked around the corner to try and find all these different ways of me delivering that so that he could also get what he wanted out of, you know, Glenn and John and Glenn and John could get what they wanted out of me. So I just, I really respected how much he respected the artistic process of the actor. That's so amazing. So that was a, an incredible gift to work on that film. It yeah, sounds like. It, was. Wow. it really was. It so really then, was. How did A Nightmare Wakes come your way? Uh, so A Nightmare Wakes. So from the wife, I got signed to uh, an agency called TCA in LA. Yeah. And um, was that your they, first American rep? That was, I'd actually been repped like years ago when I was but a child. I was with UTA originally. Oh, okay. When I was like 23, 24. Yeah. Um, and the whole LA thing just was, was not for me at the oh, time. I was you too moved, young. And you moved there? I'm, well, I ran from my first heartbreak in London to the open arms of Los Angeles. Uh, that was really there. clever. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that was a clever move for yeah. a 23 year old actress. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously things did not go according to plan. Um, and then I came back to London and, you know, sorted my life out and all the rest of it. But after the wife, I was like, no, I'm ready to do. LA part two as an adult in my early thirties. I think I was, I think I was 30 at the time. And then LA uh, signed with TCA. And I think my second audition with them was a nightmare wakes. Wow. And I just got really lucky, you know? Um, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't think that I would ever get such a cool part, you know, because it was such a great part. But I also felt, I have to say when I auditioned, I did feel very grounded and felt very confident. Yeah. And I think there's a power in that as well. Totally. And how, Um, how was it shooting it? It was amazing shooting it. We shot in upstate New York in the autumn, which was stunning. Um, I love and adore our writer-director, Nora Uncle. I think she's a beautiful soul inside and out. Um, the producers were fantastic. Julian, who you obviously know, yeah. is a brilliant actor. Very sensitive, very generous. You know, uh, Claire Glassford, who played my sister in the film, is one of my dearest friends. It was a really harmonious beautiful shoot to be honest you know with, with like difficult subject matters of yeah course. The, totally the, the work was difficult at times but there was no bullshit outside of the work there was no drama there was none of the 
nonsense that you you can so easily get on a yeah. on a film set or a TV shoot. It was none of that, you know. Um, so it was really it was beautiful experience for me. And she invented science fiction. I mean, technically, yes. Yeah, because it hadn't been it hadn't been written or certainly pen to paper had not been committed in such a way before where something was as dark and invented as that as to bring a you know a, a corpse back to life it's not even a corpse that's the thing is it's different body parts isn't it stitched yeah, together totally. it's even more grim i know i love it. that <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and how did you guys shoot it, it you shot in the fall we shot in the fall in a place called hyde hall which is one of America's great houses and houses with a capital H, which basically means, so in the UK, we have like castles everywhere, yeah. not to show off, but we have a lot of castles. Totally. We have a lot of like fancy, you know, halls and fancy big houses and things like that. Yeah. And in America, you have less because obviously you have, you're a younger country than us, right? Yeah. But, so this house, Hyde Hall, is now a museum and a protected space and we got to shoot there, which is wow. pretty incredible. Yeah. So the work was kind of done for you by... Well, we shot in a museum. I mean, that's really insane. Who gets yeah. to shoot in an actual museum where wow. the set is completely authentic? You I know? think we have someone from the film joining <gasps> us right now. Julia! Hi, sweetheart! <laughs> Are you there on video? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Yay! Hi, darling! <laughs> How you doing, dude? <laughs> We're just talking about your film. We, ju we just started talking about it. You came at the perfect moment. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was sensitive, didn't I say? I just yeah. called you a really sensitive actor. And you're like, I felt the energy. I'm like, I know, you're a sensitive yeah. guy. You know? <laughs> so, Julian, how was it working with her? <laughs> I'm <just> <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. Answer yeah. the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we just started we just started so yeah. you've, I've, all I said was that we were shooting in a museum we literally shot in a museum you couldn't make it up yeah 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 you know two years or something yeah. yeah you let something go for that long how did you guys did you guys have a table read to build chemistry or no julian arrived after we started didn't didn't you because me and claire had a couple i think claire and i had a day or two together claire's claire plays claire to make it easy claire yeah. plays claire um <laughs> and i think we'd done some kind of breakdown stuff where mary has a breakdown and she's supported by her sister we've done a bit of that and then i think julian arrived two or three days into shooting or something is that right hun did i get that right yeah wow so you guys um, never even met before no wow luckily it worked out touch wood <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Especially, if we, especially if we hadn't liked each other. That would have been really difficult. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it could have added to it. 
thanks, sweetie. That's amazing. And, we and we what's left. it what's it like for both of you guys playing something that's you know surreal, literally? You know, like is that it, a lot of it? Is, the film is edited in there's really intense ways. Like, was that hard to kind of play that while filming it or? Julian had a harder time because he, you have two characters technically. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you did a really good job, hon. You did a really good job. Alex, yeah. you know, speaking of doing a good job, how you were so amazing and the emotional spectrum was mm. was that really, you know, <laughs> tough for you to navigate the highs and the lows of of Mary? Um, it was on some days of course, because some days you have off days, right? Yeah. You some days you don't feel like job. being sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, I mean, look, I did some weird shit on set to get into my zone and Julian and Claire were very accommodating <laughs> <laughs> screaming or yeah. swinging my arms around or, you know, doing bizarre movements. Um, and I think I think I got away with being allowed to like really warm up because I was the lead, basically. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like I feel like I was allowed to do that. And then also, look, we worked in a very spooky house where there was just some weird stuff happening, you know. Yeah. And I think there was an incredible energy that we tapped into, you know. It was there were moments where it just felt like I was. So I've just lost an AirPod. Um, but there were moments where it felt like it was channeling, less acting and more channeling, you know? So, um, Using your surroundings, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh. Thank you, sweetheart. Yeah. And then Claire wanted to do the thing as well. Claire was I, like, I want the yeah. I want the energy. Claire was like, Claire was like, I want this energy. And I was like, Come, let's go warm up together. We're ready for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Mm. Mm. For the fifth time today. <laughs> yeah. And and Alex and Julian, was it was it you know on the darker subject days? Like, could you guys not interact as friends, or or was uh, that we could? Julian was very sweet and very protective of me, and I think I was quite protective of you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So beautiful. Oh. Well, Julian, thanks so much for joining. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up with Alex here. As yeah, I I Thank I, you, I, I I love you, brother. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, you you were incredible. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you met my character yet? Have you met, have you, okay. <laughs> yeah. Have you met a lot of my character? <laughs> I'll text you. I'll text you. I'll text you. You'll know. You'll know when you've met a lot of my character. You'll know. You'll know. Hi, love you, Julian. I'll call you later. <laughs> Bye, sweetheart. Yeah, right, Speak to you later. Bye. Sorry, He's Alex. So hope I didn't sweet. mean. I, I just had I to do him. it. Yeah. He's um, so sweet. I love him. Yeah, he's, he's like my baby brother. I love him. He's amazing. So that's amazing. So then, also, I would love to ask you. You know, I think the frustrating thing of sometimes being a film and television actor is like. You just said you guys shot this two years ago, you know, what, yeah. you know, you can't, you can sometimes depending on the project season, the momentum, but most of the time people want to see it yeah. first. So, you know, did this help you get more American material or? Uh, I wouldn't say, um, I don't, um, who knows? Is the honest truth? Who knows? I really don't know. You know, um, I think let me it rephrase might help it. Me. Is is yeah. it <laughs> is it imperative for you to balance both countries, the UK and, and USA? Or no, I feel like if you're lucky enough to be working as an actor, just take the best script, whichever yeah. script makes your heart sing. Go with that script. Life is so short, you know. Yeah. Like, go for the best script that you can. Work with the best artists that you can strive to do the things that make you happy and just reach for the wh whatever the best is that you can you're not always going to get offered great scripts yeah. you know the the a nightmare wake scripts and the wife script they're few and far between you yeah. know yeah. so go for the thing the best that you can and hope touch wood that it works out you know amazing well speaking of a future i see you got a few projects coming up can you tell us a little bit about them 
Yeah. So um, I just uh, I had a a part in a new te- in a new series called Tailspin for Apple TV opposite Uma Thurman. Has so that, that was has very that, cool. Has that air? That's not aired yet, right? No, oh, no, okay. no. We shot it. We shot it in December, so that will be out. You know. It's oh, a, so oh, ways away, 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 away. It, so that's it, not out for a while. If you don't mind me asking, what was that your first pandemic working experience? Yes, it was my first pandemic working experience. Actually, and, and it, for the actress really listening, was. was that really hard? You know, because I know there's so many protocols um, and strict guidelines and things you can and can't do. And or I, no, do you know what? I felt like they were very, very well organized, and the the production really took all of that in hand, which yeah. was very lucky. So I think because I felt safe, and I hope you know Uma felt safe and the other actors felt safe. Um, we just kind of did our thing. You know, we were all tested. You know, we I, we had like two tests before shooting, another test before shooting, like, you know, three tests a week, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and my part is tiny and it was just no, very cool. There's no tiny parts. It's, 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 thank you. Um, but it's, uh, it was just very cool. I was like, Glenn Close. Uma Thurman. How was I gotta ask, next, how, how, how was, how, how was, uh, how was working with Uma? She's the best. Like, She's amazing. Like the thing that people don't tell you about these movie stars like Glenn and Uma is they really are movie stars. Yeah. So like I try to be cool and, you know, play Glenn's daughter or play Uma's political advisor. And really I'm just looking at them going, you're so beautiful. I know. <laughs> you're just glowing. That. But you're beautiful. You like, glow. Glo- you do- <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. But it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, yeah. you know, and they just like themselves and everything they do is so interesting and then they just look perfect. And so I kind of, I think most of my performances are, are opposite these legends are just like, yeah, just watching them, you know, soaking <laughs> in the energy. Hey, you know yeah, what Banksy says, the, the best artists steal. So just steal from them. Yeah, uh, there yeah. you go. So I just want to steal from all these great women that I get to act with. Um, so that was very cool. And uh, and then I did a little thing for the BBC, which was like a reading of Mary Wollstonecraft, who was actually, weirdly, Mary Shelley's mother. No way. So, yeah. I don't believe in yeah, faith, yeah, but yeah. that's, uh, that's a that's real... crazy weird, right? Yeah, and that'll, yeah. that'll probably come out sometime this year on BBC Two, I think. And, and talk to me, you know, before we dig into the final few questions... Yeah, you know, different. it's 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 a really really tough time to be an actor in any yeah. part of the world. You know how yeah. how have you been keeping yourself inspired during these troubling times? Um, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and be yeah. like, I do my yoga every morning. I have my chai. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling centered. It's hard. We're human, yeah. you know, everyone's human. And you guys are on Everyone your third lockdown, struggling. right? We're on our third lockdown, our third national lockdown, Yeah, you know. And it, at the end of the day, actors, artists, we are sensitive, we are empathetic, we are creatures who feel very, very deeply. Yeah. So all of this stuff, of course it gets under our skin, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was late today. Because I hadn't like washed my hair for four days, and I need to wash my hair. Yeah, I was like, I need <clears throat> to wash my hair before I do a live interview with Ryan. Okay, you look amazing. So, <laughs> I would never know. Thanks, darling. Yeah, but it's just you know, 
And I think that's a very human experience, yeah. you know, and I think it's okay to have an extraordinarily confronting human experience during these incredibly extraordinary confronting times. Yeah. These are difficult times. Why do we expect them to be easy? Yeah. You know, of course, go outside, step in the sun, walk around the block, drink enough water, make sure you get enough sleep, you know, try to do one thing every day that you tick off and you feel, yeah, I did that. That's good. I'm proud of myself, you sure. know? Um, keep try as best as you can to keep your mental health in check. You know, Julian is an amazing musician. I'm sure he's writing loads of music, but yeah. it is hard as an actor to kind of keep going. Um, but Do you ever play your say, own video games or no? Apart. I play them a little bit. <laughs> in the most like horrendously vain, narcissistic way, Ryan. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that's I just what we play do. it to myself. I know. Sorry, it's so bad. I, I love like, the honesty. I, <laughs> like, it's so bad. I was like, "Hang on, where's my lip coming up?" Oh, yeah. there she is. You know? <laughs> Just get to the good part. <laughs> there we go. She's there. There you go. Amazing. Um, so, so I do. Yes. Um, but I, I have, you know, I have so many video games to work through at this point from yeah. start to finish. So I, I yeah. should get into them because I just, I, I'm, I'm burning through Netflix. I think I've seen everything at this point. But I'm burning uh, through Netflix as well. Yeah. Final question. You know, for for all the young Alexes out there that are, you know, four, five, six, I don't know, 18 wide eyed and really want to get into this business and, and don't really know how any words of wisdom or advice you'd have for them. Keep going, keep going. And when you can't go on anymore, keep going. That's so that would beautiful. be my thing. So because stupid. you just, because you never know what's around the corner, yeah. you know? I mean, so many times I've been like, that's it, universe, I'm done, I'm done, I'm checking out, I'm quitting, yeah. just, I'm done. And then they'll be like, here, have a part opposite Uma Thurman. And I go, <laughs> <laughs> I always knew it. <laughs> you have a crazy sense of humor out there, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> amazing. Alex Wooden Regan, this has been such a pleasure. I have so much love for you. Right. I would love to do It's been so lovely. Let's we can do, do this again. Yeah, Let's do this please. again. Sometime. I want to do it again. Let's do it Let's all do the it time. Again. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I got so much love for you. Um just I don't Thank know you, if it is cool. We can cut this out if you're not, but if for people that want to stay in touch with everything that you're up to, what's yes, what's the best way for them? If they they can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, it's at Alex Wilton Regan, just my name, at Alex Wilton Regan. Amazing. Alex Wilton Regan, you're the best. You're going to take over. Thank I got so you, much Ryan. love for you and take care. Well, I'll of see you there, babe. Yeah. I'll see you well, there. I'll see you at the Oscars in five years. Yeah. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So much love. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. 